hail Michigan, the college football national champions, 34-13 victory over Washington Huskies last night, today being January 9th. Welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever it is as you're listening to this. Don't know exactly when we're going to have this out as we're moving around schedules, recording, editing, you know, all that good stuff. But shout out to the Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Colston Loveland, all the players that snapped for Michigan, everybody on the defense. Man, it was just a really cool game for Michigan. Not so much for Washington. Had some spurts. Michael Phoenix Jr. here and there was snapping 255 yards. He was 27-51, threw a touchdown, also had two interceptions. J.J. McCarthy for Michigan, 10 of 18 for only 140 yards, but made some really good decisions, used his feet for a couple big runs, had one crazy huge run, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Just was a solid football game. Besides Washington's mistakes, they don't throw those two picks, made a couple other mistakes. They're right in that game. And one point, it was like, I don't know, 12, 15, and it only seemed like a two-point game. It was kind of that feel. Like, it always felt like Washington was right in there until probably about halfway through the fourth quarter when he knew Michigan was stomping them out, scored a touchdown in the fourth, and just kind of put breaks on. Then they score another touchdown. You're like, okay, it's over. Michigan's the champs. It was cool to watch, cool to see. I've always been a closet Michigan fan. I'll always be... Southern Illinois first, but we're FCS school, not an FBS or or a CFP college football playoff team, but I went there, so it's always first. Then after that's Illinois schools, University of Illinois, you know, Northwestern, pay attention to all them. But right after that, you know, I've always been a closet Michigan fan. For football, Michigan, for basketball, North Carolina. Always Illinois first though. That's just how it goes. That's how it goes. We'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. I think he's going to the NFL. I'd love for him to be a Chicago Bears coach. We'll see. But I bet you'd go somewhere else. Somebody on uh, ESPN was saying Atlanta today that he's got a couple ties there. They got young talent. They need a quarterback, but they'd have a top pick. He can get, you know, a, a good player. Then they're talking about maybe Washington. They don't have a quarterback, but they're going to have the second pick right after the Bears. So... All kinds of stuff, all kinds of situations, storylines going on with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. This episode 311, 311 Edge of Your Seat podcast. Mendota had an awesome end of 2023. We can't put all the awesomeness coming out of Mendota on the same show, but we were able to combo platter four chats with some talented Trojans or past Trojans. We start with Nancy Garcia. She graduated last year, 2022, and immediately joined the Rock Valley Community College women's soccer team. The goalkeeper started in 20 games as a freshman, had 66 saves, 20 goals against, which is a 76.7 save percentage, and she had eight shutouts. The topper, the kicker, Rock Valley advanced to the NJCAA Division II National Championship. Amazing for a freshman. Mendota represented 
by Nighty Garcia to the fullest. Then we have Anthony Kelson. He's a senior at Mendota right now. He made it to the Class 1A state finals in cross country. He finished 57th. He took 10th at the Oregon sectional and 4th at the Seneca Regional on the way up to the state tournament. I also got the opportunity to work with him during the Sweet Corn Fest. He is in the Interact Club in high school, and I'm part of the Rotary Club for Mendota. So for the Sweet Corn Fest, the Rotary Club cleans up the garbage after the first couple days. Well, Anthony, part of the Interact Club, helped out, decided he wanted to help. So we got to know each other then. Then I see him crush it in cross country, so you know we had to have him on. Then... We have Rihanna Brandt. She was a senior, graduated early in December after playing her final volleyball season in the fall. She's skipping out on basketball, skipping out on softball as a, as a senior in Medota because she's no longer a senior. She already graduated, and now she's going to be a freshman at Sauk Valley Community College in about six days. She says on the chat or during the chat, that she starts January 17th. It's January 9th, so she's got eight days. Sorry, let me do my math right. Eight days until she is a freshman and part of the volleyball team at Sauk Valley. Then, Amelia Bromenschinkel. She is a senior with Purdue-Fort Wayne, but she did that after becoming number two on the Mendota Girls all-time scoring list for basketball. This year, she's been crushing it. Started off super hot. She's still continuing to play great basketball. She was named the Horizon League Player of the Week November 27th after having a chance to play Caitlin Clark in the University of Iowa. Lots of cool things to talk with all of our guests. All of our guests, it's super exciting to see what Mendota athletes or athletes who were in Mendota are doing now. Can't wait to get to every single one of those chats. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 311. I'm going to say it again because it is awesome to see us climbing the numbers and you guys listening to the shows. Much love, much appreciation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't know where you're listening to this episode, but you can catch all episodes of Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That is with an S, it's plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of your CP. If you want to link with me directly, my personals, Facebook, Brandon Lachance. Looks like L-A Chance, but it is pronounced Lachance. And then on Twitter or X, I keep saying Twitter, even though it has changed to X. But if you put in Twitter in the URL, it goes to X anyway. So whatever you want to call it, I still say Twitter, but we'll go X because it's legit or the legit official name now. On X is at LaChance Writer. So at L.A. Chance Writer. On all of the sites, everywhere, the Facebook, Twitter, or X, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you see Edge of Your Seat Podcasts, please like, share, follow, 
five star, million star, comment, favorite, all those cool things. We really appreciate it. Helping us move up the rankings of the algorithms and also helping us do what we're here to do and that showcase, highlight everything that our guests are doing in Northern and Central Illinois. If you have any questions, suggestions, you would like to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or dislike something I or a guest said, or if you'd like to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Always much love, appreciation to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, the mastermind behind the intro and outro beat that you hear on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which is brought to you by First State Bank. 19 locations in Northern and Central Illinois. Great people, great bankers, great loan officers. Anything you need done financially, take your situation, your inquiry, your questions to First State Bank. They'll handle it. They'll handle it well. And you'll feel satisfied. Like, hey, these people just helped me out. They're awesome. I've been banking there since 2011, 13 years, right after I graduated college, came back in the area and went to First State Bank. 13 years later, I'm still there, not going anywhere. It is a great bank, just saying. Besides our interviews, you already know we have more. That's what we do. We like to have intros, long intros, where we get to talk about what we want to talk about and then have our guests where we talk about what we want to talk about. It's just a win, 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 win. I love it. We have mix and match. Bunch of national topics, ideas. Some might be a a few months old. It's been a minute since I got to chat about them, but we're going to now. Some of them are right now. Just happened like right, right, right now. And then bring it back where we're going through the Rolling Stone magazine top 500 albums of all time list. We put up polls on the socials, Facebook, X, and have you vote who we listen to next. We're still in the 400s. We've been doing this for about a year and a half, two years, because been slow getting the polls out, been slow listening to the music, or listening to it way too much. Some of these albums I listen to like 12 to 15 times before I actually decide to talk about it. But we got another one. Bring it back. We'll get to mix and match. Bring it back in the chats right after a word with First State Bank. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB's premier account that pays higher interest for doing just a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quilla loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Mix and match. Talk about whatever we want to. It's a beautiful thing including the gas prices. They are super beautiful right now. They are down everywhere, but especially, especially in the Peru area, QT, Quick Trip, 
Shell, maybe a cent or two more right there on 251 as you're heading towards Mendota or heading into Peru, right past Walmart. I mean, it is awesome. I was just there a couple days ago. It was 271 at QT and 273 at Shell. If you're in the area, you probably already know about the low gas, but it's awesome. It's 15 to 20 cents higher in other locations. But if you're in the Peru area, for sure, stop and fill up. Why not? Save yourself a couple cents, if anything. But it's way better than the $4, four and a half that we saw a year, year and a half ago, for sure. LeBron James, the Lakers, won the in-season tournament. First year done by the NBA. Know what happened a little bit ago, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it, so here we are. In-season tournament, I wasn't really a fan of. I didn't get hype about it. I didn't think it was something super cool. And then when the Lakers and LeBron win, it kind of diminished what I thought about it even more. I thought it was a gimmick. I thought it was planned. I don't ever like to say sports are rigged or there's a plan or it's scripted or mapped out or anything like that. But if there was ever a situation where something seemed a little fishy, like it was a little mapped out, a little scripted, it was this. Let's try to give LeBron all the accomplishments in the world that we can give him while he's still playing to make people think he's better than Michael Jordan or keep that conversation going. All hail King James. That's what they're doing in the NBA. They've been doing it for a while. I just think that was another step in the process. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they actually legitimately won it. I don't see them winning a championship this year. I don't think they're even a top five team in the NBA, but they win this in-season tournament. Seems a little fishy, a little weird. So is this his consolation prize because they know he's not going to win a championship? I think so. That's just my thoughts. Shohei Itani, man, I was so wishing he would go to the Chicago Cubs. I know we had the money. It's a great market. Why not go to Chicago? Instead... He stays in L.A. He was with the Angels, now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, $700 million for 10 years. If you're a baseball fan, you already know this, but man, 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 I think he's making a big mistake. I think there's about three other teams he should have went to, of course, the Cubs. I think even if he went to the Red Sox, I think they are just like one player away. The Dodgers, the stars that they do have, I mean... I don't want to say the last legs, but pitching was kind of falling off. They were banged up, hurt real bad going into the playoffs. And it's kind of been a normal thing for them. They either choke. They won the World Series one year in the last like 10 years, but they've been really good for like the last eight or nine. They get knocked out in the playoffs when they shouldn't. This year they were banged up, hurt, even though they were a higher seed, you know, that kind of deal. I just don't think the Dodgers are going to get away from, I don't know if it's a curse, I don't know what's going on with LA, the Dodgers, but they're just not the franchise that a dude like Shohei Itani, especially after his Tommy John surgery, if he comes and crushes it on both the plate and on the mound, man, 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 you should have been a Cub. Oh, did I I hear? Should have been a Cub. Yeah, you should have. And I know I just said Tommy John, there's been questions if he had his second Tommy John surgery. Just a UCL procedure is what the agent's calling it. But eh, eh, it seems like a Tommy John trying to hide that from us. I already kind of talked about Jim Harbaugh in the opening. 
It would be awesome to see him come to Chicago, him to be a Bear, especially they win the CFP, the National Championship for college football. I mean, I think he's out of Michigan with all the controversy, the scandals, all that other stuff. Sure, there's other markets, other teams he could go to, but the Chicago Bears, they get him. Man, man, man. No longer the laughing stock of the NFC North. I, I just don't think so. I think he turns it all around. We just need a guy like him. Sorry, Eberflus. Sorry, the guys before him. You mean so little to Chicago sports. I can't even remember your name. I can picture your face right now. Can't even remember your name. Just bring in a guy who is a proven winner, a proven coach who will change the organization around. Jim Harbaugh is the dude. Miles Bridges, NBA player, denied access to Canada because of past legal issues. Canada is crazy hard to get into. I think this was, you know, legal issues you don't want to talk about. You probably shouldn't go places. But you get a parking ticket. It seems like you can't get into Canada. I've never tried. Probably can't get in. I'm sure there's something somewhere saying, no, bro. No, no, we're not letting you in. It's crazy. Even professional athletes, they try to get him a pass to get through. Wouldn't even work. Like a work visa. Wouldn't even work. Said, no, 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 no. You're not coming. Insane. But Canada's got its laws. And from what I hear, it is a pretty amazing country to live in. But not like the USA. The best. The best. Eric Montross, RIP. NCAA national champion in 1993 with the North Carolina Tar Heels. He was an NBA player from 1994 to 2002. Passed away on December 17th at 52 years old because of cancer. Wasn't ever really a great player. Just one of those solid dudes that you know you gave him the ball around the hoop. He was going to finish or he's going to find a pass. He was long, lengthy, could play D, put his arms up. Just a solid player. Not great, not spectacular, but good. And at North Carolina, he was hailed as, you know, a superstar. So RIP, sorry for your family, 52 years old, is very, very young still. 52 is very, very young. RIP Eric Montross. DeMarcus Cousins had a 10-day contract December 18th with Taiwan. I looked to see if he re-signed. I couldn't find anything because, like I said, it's January 9th. 10-day contract is up. was up December 28th. But still trying to play. Still trying to play. He had a lot of injuries towards the end of his NBA career, which was a solid one. I was always a fan. But, uh, you know, when it's your time is up in the NBA, why not go overseas? Why not see the world, the countries that are not the United States, and see what basketball is like over there? And usually when you're an American and you go over there, you're a super-duper star, even if your body isn't letting you be a super-duper star anymore. Draymond Green was booted. Okay, not booted, but suspended indefinitely. After throwing blows, he'd already put somebody in a headlock. Think it was Rudy Gobert. Just a silly dude. His, I think his career is over. I have not been a fan for the last couple of years. Michigan State, I loved him. He comes to Golden State, helps him win a couple championships. Good player, great player, great defender. Passes, does everything intelligently on the court until he starts doing what he's doing now and acting the fool. It's been the last couple of years. He punched Jordan Poole, his own teammate. Like he's just 
always in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. And I'm sick of hearing his mouth. I just saw an interview today where he was thinking about retiring. He's like, you know what? It's just too much for me. I can't do it. Don't know if he's getting in his head or what, but he said, hey, I thought, you know, I can't do it. And I was thinking about retirement until the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver said, no, 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 let's not make any rash decisions. You're going to stay in NBA. The commissioner pulling him back in when he wants to retire. I love Adam Silver. I think he's doing a great job with the NBA. He's been doing a lot of cool things, even experimenting. I wasn't a fan of the in-season tournament, but he's experimenting, always trying, pushing the limits, pushing the height of the NBA, which is amazing. It's awesome. But man, just let the garbage be garbage and be taken away by the garbage man. And Draymond Green, at this point in his career, this point in his head, whatever he's got going on, is not an NBA player anymore. He's a fighter. Put him on a UFC celebrity battle. That's where he belongs. Zach Levine came back to the Bulls, missed, I believe, 18, 19 games, had a good showing. But man, when he was gone... It definitely, definitely, definitely looked like the Bulls should wheel and deal Zach Levine. When he first came to the Bulls, I did not like him. I thought he was a solo, iso, ball, selfish player. He broke out of that for like a year or two and was playing great. DeMar DeRozan comes, great player. Love DeMar DeRozan. But Zach Levine's game changed because now he felt that he had to iso ball or prove that he was still the guy on the team. He never said that. But it just looks that way. It seems like every time he gets the ball, that's where it's staying. It's not going anywhere else. We're playing iso ball. And it stops the flow of offense. It stops the flow of the Bulls. Stops the flow of absolutely everything. And he plays little to no or bad defense. I just think it's time to say sayonara. And when he was gone, Kobe White was playing great. His averages were nuts. Scoring 20 plus points a game through the month of December just played absolutely amazing. Not saying that's always going to happen if Zach Levine's not there, but it is opening windows for players that have been, I don't want to say stifened, but they've had to play behind DeMar DeRozan, behind Zach Levine. And when you see that the team moved better, gelled better, went on a winning streak, did cool things without a key, very expensive player, maybe it's time to Not have him be a key to the process anymore. Ja Morant was back after a suspension. And then now he's gone again. He got hurt. Did something in his shoulder. He's got to have surgery. He's out for the rest of the season. Man, what a crazy storyline. I am hoping, I am hoping he does not become a Tracy McGrady, a Grant Hill, a Derrick Rose. Before he even really got time to shine. He had about a year or two where he really was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. He's going to be a top star of the league. Instead of LeBron or Steph Curry, you know, they're getting older. They probably only got four or five years left. They need another star to be the face of the NBA. John Morant was in the picture, if not that guy. There's Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, John Morant. Those were the three names that were shopped around all the time. And now his name is being taken out of that list. It it truly is. He makes all those dumb mistakes, gets suspended for 35 games, comes back, then gets hurt. Hopefully, when he comes back next year, he just has smooth sailing. And that's a lot to ask for. There's not a lot of smooth sailing in anything, especially pro sports. 
but hopefully comes back and he's all right. And plays the game that we know he can play. John Morant is a freak athlete and a great basketball player. Let's see that continue. NFL running back Dalvin Cook, released by the Jets, signs with the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, he is chasing a title. Yes, he should. Probably done in the year or next year. He might jump around to teams as a fill-in option or somebody to take some hits. It, But yeah, his career is pretty much done. He did not look good with the Jets. Actually, last year with the Vikings, I didn't think he looked that great either. So yeah. Why not sign with the Ravens, try to get a championship ring? Because this is the best squad the Ravens have had since they had Lamar Jackson, their star, former MVP of the league quarterback. Yeah, why not? Try to get one. I know I heard some other people, friends, saying that, oh man, just ring chasing. When you get to that point in your career and you've already put together so many awesome seasons, yeah, why not? Do it. I would, for sure. But we probably won't see him after this season. At least not on the main scale. Maybe as a backup, maybe as a guy that just comes in, takes a couple hits, like I said. But his star Dalvin Cook name, that's it's it's done. Sorry, man. It's done. Are you ready to make the most of your new gadgets? Then you need Surf Fiber Internet, the fastest fiber internet in the area. With Surf Fiber Internet, you'll enjoy equal upload. And download speeds, no buffering, no data limits, and no contracts. Plus, you'll get the best local customer service around. Don't miss this amazing offer. Plans start at just $35 a month. Visit surfinternet.com or call 1-833-544-2982 today. Surf Internet, the ultimate internet experience. Bring it back is back. Going through the Rolling Stone Magazine Top 500 Albums of All Time list, we put up a poll for at a time because that's how many you can put on a poll on X. We also put it on Facebook. We also ask fans, friends, family of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and we get some votes, and then we dive into the artist, we dive into the album, and then we rank the songs. So that's what we're doing here. Bring it back. The last poll, like I said, we're still in the 400s, but inching our way to the 300s. Hopefully, by the end of the year, end of 2024, we're done with the list. We're putting it in cruise control as we're going to try to get through this a little faster. But listening to this music, diving into these artists and finding out their story has been so cool. I take so much time and effort into Bring It Back because it's really interesting to me. You know, some of these legendary acts like the one we're going to talk about today. I knew the name, maybe a song or two, but couldn't put a name to a song or names to the people in the band. That's what this does. This opens up my eyes, your eyes, listeners everywhere, fans of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and of Bring It Back to know their music and where it came from. So it's super cool. Have a lot of fun doing it. This last poll at 4.15 was the Metro's with Luka Pie Pie from 1969. 4.14 was Chic with Risk or Risque. We'll go with Risque. 1979. 4.13, Credence Clearwater Revival with Cosmos Factory from 1970. And at 4.12 was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles with Going A Go-Go from 1965. 
So all of these, 1979 was the closest one to 2024, but the winner, Credence Clearwater Revival Cosmos Factory, blew everybody else out of the water. Smokey Robinson had quite a few votes, but nowhere near Credence Clearwater Revival. Sheet came in third. Metros had one vote. And we had a lot of votes. We had close to 115 votes. I think we're at like 112, something like that. CCR, that's what we're going to call them. Credence Clearwater Revival, a little wordy. Everybody knows who it is, the band with CCR. They won, they dominated, so here we go. I knew of CCR, knew John Fogarty, know the voice. If I hear his voice, I know it's them. However, I don't know the name of any songs. Don't. I couldn't tell you what they look like, John or anybody else in the band. Had no idea. Had no idea that they were together for such a short time and blew up to be one of the biggest bands of all time in history. Yeah, yeah. So diving into this story was a lot of fun for me, a lot of knowledge. Hopefully, we'll pass it on to you. The band was formed in 1959 in El Cerrito, California. Tom Fogarty, Doug Clifford, Stu Cook, and John Fogarty are the members of the band. They're together from 1959 to 1972. They're known for their blues rock, their country rock, and their folk rock. John Fogarty is the lead vocalist, lead guitarist, and the primary songwriter. His brother, Tom Fogarty, rhythm guitarist. Stu Cook is the bassist, and Doug Clifford, the drummer. Cook and Clifford met at junior high. So did John. Tom was the only one that didn't because he was a little older than the other three. They began playing together in 1959, like I said, with a different name. They weren't CCR yet. They were the Blue Velvets, then the Gollywogs. And they're like, hey, we probably need a new name because Blue Velvets, Gollywogs, it just isn't it. Possible names for the new band or the band that's looking for a new name was Muddy Rabbit, Gossamer Wump, Credence Newball, or Ruby. In 1967, they went with CCR, Credence Clearwater Revival. Why? Because it was weirder than Buffalo Springfield or Jefferson Airplane, and people would dig it. Seems like a great way of why to name a band. I think so. They signed with Fantasy Records in 1964. In 1966, John and Doug were drafted into the military. John was drafted into the Army Reserve and dug into the Coast Guard Reserve. Although they were together in 1959, they really make it huge in 1969-71. to 71. In these two years, they had five consecutive top 10 albums, including Cosmos Factory. 1968, they did a cover of the song Susie Q, was their second single that they ever put out and the first to reach the top 40 as it went to number 11. It was the only top 40 song from CCR not written by John Fogarty. All the other hits that you know of, all the other CCR legendary songs written by John Fogarty. Going back to the thought of five consecutive top 10 albums between 69 and 71, their second album, Bayou Country, began the two-year uninterrupted string of hit albums and songs. August 1969, they were in Woodstock. They were the first major act to sign. John Fogarty 
held the CCR set out of the Woodstock film and soundtrack, though, because he felt the performance was subpar. However, four tracks of the 11 that they actually played in 1969 were released in the 1994 box set called Woodstock Three Days of Peace and Music. Stu Cook said in an interview, the performances are classic CCR, and I'm still amazed by the number of people who don't even know we are one of the headliners of Woodstock 69. Also in an interview at a different time, John Fogarty said the Grateful Dead came on before us and they put the audience to sleep. It was like Dante's scene, just bodies from hell, all intertwined and asleep, covered with mud. 1970, the song Traveling Band, or Traveling, no G, Traveling Band, which is on Cosmos Factory, we will talk about this song further, earned a lawsuit by song publishers of Little Richard's Good Golly Miss Molly, which was settled out of court. So they definitely find their way in headlines, in lawsuits, courtrooms, Woodstock. They're all over the place. Looking Out My Back Door was the fifth and final number two hit from CCR. A distinction of five number two hits without a number one on the Hot 100 list. Looking Out My Back Door is also on Cosmos Factory. Cosmos Factory seems like it was the end of the amazing groundbreaking albums from CCR. Right after Cosmos Factory, Looking Out My Door, the fifth and final number two hit. They never got a number one, but five number twos. That is insane. Right after all the success, five top ten albums in two years. Then the band unravels. John was thought to be over-controlling, and his domineering was approaching a bowling point. Tom Fogarty had had enough and resigned to quit the band in 1971. The thoughts were to find a replacement or just become a trio. John Fogarty heard other band members were upset that they couldn't write and produce their own songs. Like I said, John Fogarty had written everything, had done all the arrangements, had put everything together. Stu Cook, Doug Clifford were there, played their musical instruments, did a good job, but they didn't sing, didn't do any of that, and then they wanted to. So John says, CCR will continue as a democratic Democracy, where each member will now write, perform their own material, with each band member contributing three songs apiece for the next album. And when the other two were singing and writing their songs, Fogarty was only going to contribute with his guitar parts. Fogarty said Cook and Clifford were excited at first about this new democracy, but not happy when the next album or the next songs lack success. Fogarty didn't want to fix songs when he was asked either. He's like, hey, this was your opportunity to do the songs, to sing, put everything together. And now you want me to help because you wanted the power and now you can't handle it kind of deal. Outside sources say Cook and Clifford were not a fan from the start. They were okay with John Fogarty continuing to do what he was doing and playing that kind of music. But there is a rift formed here that they really never can get back from or overcome. They were still doing U.S. and European tours. They were still successful, even though the band was crumbling. They were having these arguments and riffs, but still performing the music when they needed to. They did one more album called Mardi Gras in 1972, where they had songs from each of them. 
They all sang on their own songs. They, you know, constructed them, did all that stuff. And the album failed. It was not a success for them. Not in the CCR limelight at all. There were bad reviews. A Rolling Stone magazine writer said it is the worst album of all time by a top tier band. It did reach number 12 on the charts, and it was their seventh straight album to go gold. They then did a 20-date U.S. tour. However, on October 16, 1972, six months after the tour was over, Fantasy Records and CCR said the band was finished, not doing anything else. CCR said there was a bad deal with Fantasy Records. Sol Zance, the owner of Fantasy Records, wasn't treating them properly, was robbing them, is what CCR had said. He was greed, money hungry. They didn't like the deal. The band wasn't working well together anymore. It was over. They never regrouped. Cook and Clifford did. They started Credence Clearwater Revisited and other bands. John Fogarty went on to have a successful solo career. That's how I knew him. I knew his voice. He's got a couple really, really, really awesome songs. The CCR contract with Fantasy, Fantasy Records, said that John Fogarty owed them eight more records after they canceled everything in 1972. However, Asylum Records bought Fogarty's contract for a million dollars and he began making albums for Asylum. In 1975, John Fogarty did one album with Asylum Records. Centerfold Another album was a huge hit, topped the charts in 1985 with Warner Brothers. He refused, refused in the beginning of his solo career to perform any CCR songs. He would not do it. Said it was a band, not him, and he wanted to be known for his own creative, his own solo stuff. Sol Zance, the Fantasy Records owner, then had a lawsuit, saying Old Man Down the Road, a song from John Fogarty, was a ripoff of Fogarty's Run Through the Jungle that he had made, produced, did everything for, for CCR. So pretty much, hey, you're plagiarizing yourself, but your past work, Run Through the Jungle, was on my label. The jury was in John's favor on that part of the lawsuit. However, there was another one for defamation over two songs, Mr. Greed and Zance Can't Dance, because, I mean, by the name of it, or them, they were about Saul's aunts. February 19th, 1987, Fogarty did a CCR song with Bob Dylan and George Harrison. George Harrison, a member of the Beatles. So he broke the deal of, hey, I'm not going to do CCR songs. And then still, to this day, performs tours and includes CCR songs. After he left CCR in 1971, Tom Fogarty had several solo albums. He had Excalibur, which featured the Jerry Garcia band. Jerry Garcia played the lead guitar while Tom played the rhythm guitar, and it became a popular cult album. I mean, Jerry Garcia is a cult rock music icon, and him, Tom Fogarty, put together an album that I kind of want to check out just to see what they were able to do together. Unfortunately, Tom passed away in September of 1990, AIDS contacted with a tainted needle in a blood transfusion he received while undergoing back surgery. So he goes in for back surgery, there's a tainted needle, and he's infected with AIDS. He passes away September 1990. 
John and Tom before Tom passed away, barely reconciled. John actually wrote a eulogy and in it, he says, we wanted to grow up and be musicians. I guess we achieved half of that becoming rock and roll stars. We didn't necessarily grow up. Cook and Clifford joined the Don Harrison band. Then they founded Factory Productions where they did mobile recording services in the Bay Area. Clifford also had a solo album in 1972. Cook became a producer for others, and he was also the bassist for Southern Pacific, a country band, in the 1980s. Credence Clearwater Revisited with Cook and Clifford formed in 1995. They had several other musicians, and they still have tours going on globally to this day. Their legacy is cemented. Like I said, they blew away this poll. If they're on here again, I'm sure they'll blow it away again or be you know, very high up there with votes. Rolling Stone Magazine ranks CCR as the 82nd of 100 greatest artists of all time. The song Fortunate Son was added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry in 2013. Grammy Hall of Fame has Fortunate Son, the song Proud Mary, and the album Cosmos Factory, which we're going to discuss right here, Grammy Hall of Fame. Crazy. Two songs and an album. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's talk about the album right now. Let's get into it. Cosmos Factory was released July 8th, 1970. It is the fifth studio album that came out under the band CCR Credence Clearwater Revival. Cosmos Factory had nine consecutive weeks as the number one Billboard 200 album, and it went four times platinum. Six singles out of 11 tracks. So they had six singles come out radio style, popularity-wise, out of 11 tracks, which the album ran 42 minutes and 28 seconds. Oh, and did I mention all six of those singles charted in the top five of the Billboard 100. So six singles out of 100 tracks that they decided to push out as popular songs. All six charted in the top five. Yikes. Four of them are Traveling Band, Up Around the Bend, Looking Out My Back Door, and I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Again, I'm going to say this again. The fifth album in two years in the top 100 charts, reaching number top five, just crazy success with just five albums in two years internationally cosmos factory was number one in six different countries not even including the united states six different countries it went number one the claim to fame for this album is the different genres there's songs that are recognized as swamp rock r&b soul country classic rock and psychedelia cosmos factory was originally named after a warehouse in Berkeley where the band rehearsed way back in the day. When they first started, Doug Clifford's nickname is Cosmo. So he said, John knew the press would be all over us for the album. So he said that he would name the album after me and that I would have to deal with it. He wanted the pressure off of him. It was our biggest album. Our biggest album ever. I tell people that they named it after me So it had to be a hit. That's just a joke. Pretty awesome for him. I mean, you know, especially since right after that, they disperse and not a band anymore. And the legendary status of CCR gets tainted. 
because of feuding within and you know wanting to go separate ways ccr's really popular groundbreaking music is over but he's like hey the last really awesome album and what a lot of people say their best was named after him cosmo and the factory that they rehearsed that that is the info about the album a lot of cool things in there a lot of stuff i didn't know actually pretty much everything i didn't know except the name ccr and that john fogarty is a rock and roll legend that's all i knew that's all i knew let's go through the songs i'll tell you my opinion and then we'll rank them the album starts off with ramble tamble i like the feel it's got a good start to the album you know it's a great way to like hey this is us let's kick it off with this it was a good leadoff track. The John Fogarty voice, immediate impact. You know it's him. You know what you're getting yourself into. And it's got like a garage band jam feel to it. Like if you're just outside drinking a beverage, just chilling, randomly decide to pick up some musical instruments and neighbors see you, decide to walk over, pick up some more musical instruments and make a track. That's what this felt like. It was just cool, calm, hey, we're together, let's jam out. I also like how it slows down less than halfway through, changes rhythm, changes tempo, changes riffs, but it's still the same song. It was awesome how they did that. I put this in my rankings. So there's 11 songs, 11's the worst, one is the best. I had this song as number two. Ramble Tamble, my second favorite song off Cosmos Factory. The second track on Cosmos Factory is called Before You Accuse Me, Look At Yourself. Otherwise known, Look At Yourself. Been accusing the only person in the partnership, but you know you're to blame. So you're accusing me, but you're doing wrong. You've been with somebody else. So why are you putting it on me when you're doing it and you're killing this relationship? Very bluesy. This is a blues song. Definitely. Number nine on my list out of 11. It was cool, just not my favorite. A lot of other great songs that were better, including Traveling Band. This is classic CCR. Classic, classic. I think of this song when I think of CCR. Like I said, I knew songs, but couldn't put a name on it. Traveling Band is definitely that song. Not one of them, but that song. As soon as I heard this, I'm like, bam, that's how I know CCR. But just the thought of the song tells you, you know, hey, we're a traveling band. We're all over the place. We're doing crazy things. We're making awesome music. That's who we are. I have this as number four on my track list or favorites on this album. But track number four is Ubi Doobie, 1970s dance song. To the left, to the right, do the Ubi Doobie with a classic rock rift. So things that you'd probably see at a high school dance, junior high dance back in the day, 70s, maybe early 80s. That kind of deal. So like the 2000s cha-cha slide, sort of, kind of. I have this as number 10. Not my thing. Very, blah. It's the best way to put it. Number five, Looking Out My Back Door. Crazy awesome song. Well-known. Again, that classic CCR tone. There's a line that goes, just got home from Illinois. Locked the front door. Oh boy. Got to set down. Take a rest on the porch. Do, 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 looking out my back door. You know the song. You know the song. It's got a country twang. Tambourine is definitely heard. It makes me think of that Saturday Night Live skit with Will Ferrell with the tambourine. Yeah, I feel like this, this was it. This was it. It wasn't, but it could have been. 
I have looking out my back door as number three. The lines are awesome. It's got Illinois in it. Hey, Illinois, all day. Do, 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 looking out my back door. Like, it's stuck in my head now that I said it. Now I'm getting it with the music, the melody. Awesome song. Classic. Classic. Iconic. Not just classic. Iconic. Six, Run Through the Jungle, which was the lawsuit about the good golly Miss Molly from Little Richard. Said, hey, it was really similar. Let's do a lawsuit. Anyway, the song. I got it number seven out of my top 11. Uh, it's kind of seems like a war song pretty sure it's been used in movies as i say war song like hey it's been in war movies you know got two million guns loaded coming at you we're running through the jungle maybe kind of like a vietnam song that's where I, it's got to be right got to be number seven up around the bend this is my favorite the guitar and drums the way they lead in are absolutely amazing it's awesome john's fogarty voice i think i said john's fogarty's voice john Fogarty's voice is perfect for this song. The melody, the harmony, the flow, the rah, just everything about Up Around the Bend is John Fogarty. It is hard for me not to move my body when I hear this. I'm head nodding, I'm snapping a little bit, I'm, you know, tapping the desk with my fingers. Just an absolutely amazing song. Up Around the Bend is my favorite. Number eight, My Baby Left Me. Sounds like a blues song, right? And it is. It's up-tempo. The line goes, my baby left me, never said a word, wishes that there's still had her, but she's gone. The guitars, drums, there's a banjo, everything is jamming, and you're sad because my baby left me, never said a word. Got that as number eight out of 11. The ninth track I got is number five, so just about in the middle of the pack, Who'll Stop the Rain? It's a ballad for CCR. Still got the same tempo, sort of, kind of, it's fast. Got the drums, you know, leading the way. The line goes, wonder, still I wonder, who will stop the rain? Is anything ever going to get any better? Can it? Will it? Please. Let's stop the rain. The 10th track I have as number six in my rankings. I heard it through the grapevine. This is a classic. Probably would have went up more if I knew it originally from CCR, but no, when I think of, I heard it through the grapevine, I either think of the California Raisins or Gladys Knight and the Pips. However, CCR's version is absolutely amazing. And it's crazy at this time how music execs gave the same song to different acts and said, hey, see what you can do with this. There is a lot of songs that multiple artists have done the same song. And they'd be like, oh, this is a cover of this person or a cover of this person. Really, it's not really a cover. It's just the executives of a production company decided to give it to many people to see what they could do with it. But CCR puts their rock funkiness in it, their 1970s feel to it, and it is awesome. Like I said, Fogarty hits everything he's supposed to, the high notes, gravels, the instruments, there's a long instrumental. It is, it's just great. It's absolutely fantastic. I put it at six just because, you know, I know two, three other versions of the song. And then we have 11, Long As I Can See the Light, and it is number 11 on my list. I did not like this. It is a ballad. It's slow. There's a saxophone. The saxophone is cool, but, you know, packing his bag because he's bound to drift away. That's what he's supposed to do. There's no more words. I'm out of here. Long as I can see the light, I'll be okay. 
just not around here. Saxophone solo is cool, the hi-hat leading the way, but other than the two musical components, just wasn't a fan. But I am a huge fan of this album, huge fan of CCR. I'm probably going to dive into them more and more as we go. I already started listening to some other CCR stuff. They're amazing, legendary. There's a reason they're on this list. There's a reason that they're Grammy Hall of Fame. There's a reason they're Rolling Stone Magazine's 82nd of 100 top artists ever. First of all, 100 artists, if you're number 100, that is amazing. So to even work your way up to 82, I mean, it just says what these guys did. Man, wish there wasn't squabbles and see, you know, how far they could have went. But five albums in two years, I still can't get past that. Not just that they created them, but they were number two hits in the country. That is huge, humongous, that much great music in such, such, such a short time. Impressive, impressive, impressive. The chats you are about to hear with Mendota representatives are brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. Associates Jason Hintz and Caitlin Henry pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. Caitlin Henry joined the team in July and is excited to help you find your dream vehicle. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jingle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you gets $100. Well, this is a great time to end the intro. No, it's a little longer, but hey, we love to chat. We love that you listen to the chats. Got some mix and match. Talked about some national stuff. Talked about some music. CCR, Credence Clearwater Revival. And now let's listen to the chats with Nighty Garcia, Anthony Kelson, Rihanna Brandt, and Amelia Bromenschinkel. That is the order that they're going to go through. No interruptions, no ads, no commercials in between each of our great guests. We'll be back real soon. We're chatting to people all the time. We're editing all the time. We're getting ideas for the next show all the time, even if it takes a little bit for the next one to come out. But we're putting a pause to the pause and making sure we get these out. So here we are. Episode 311. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Peace. You know, we're always wrapped up in the high school scene, paying attention to all the schools in our zone, our area. But you know what? The athletes that are at the high schools that we pay attention to, they go on and continue to do great stuff. So we try to reach out to them as much as possible. We have one right now. Mendota graduate now at Rock Valley 
Nightsy Garcia. Nightsy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Last time we spoke, you were crowned the Mendota Sweet Corn Festival Queen, and now you're playing soccer and doing big things. Yeah. <laughs> so you graduate from Mendota this past year, go straight to Rock Valley, and straight to a soccer team that plays in the national tournament. Yeah, quite the transition. I would say so. I mean, you just had a winning, winning, winning year. I mean, you win the pageant, then you go win some soccer games. I mean, sounds like you're just in a winning mode right now. Yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good last few months, to say the least. Let's talk about the soccer team. I mean, playing in Mendota, knew you were a great soccer player. You wanted to continue playing. You know, what made you go to this team and what made this team, you know, be able to do the things that they did? The biggest reason that I went to this team was because I loved how close it was. It was literally an hour away and very I'm very family oriented. So it was important to me that I didn't have to catch a flight to go see my family. And then it's just I've heard great things about this program and this school. And they were newly Division Two. So this is their second year, D2. So I knew that since they were able to transition up a division, that there were really big things for this program and to expect from this program. And that really was what it was when I got here. Truly an amazing program with amazing people. All the girls here collectively are so unbelievably talented. Like it was, it was crazy to me to see how many people truly do love soccer the way that I do and are dedicated to it just as much as I am and putting all that talent together really made us the powerhouse that we you know you read in the articles we are quite a powerhouse and that's what led us to be that did you have any idea though joining this team that you'd be playing in the national tournament oh absolutely not I mean the day of the pageant I actually had a game before that I had a game during the like tea time that the other girls were getting interviewed. So I had a run to the pageant right after that. But for that game, we all kind of expected like, because we were versing a four-year and we're a two-year. And even though they were D3, they were still very good. So we were all scared. We didn't really have confidence in ourselves. And then going into that game, everyone was like, oh, like, we're going to lose probably, but it's fine. It's a preseason game. Doesn't matter. It's just for the fun of it. And we go in there and we tie this four-year school with a bunch of juniors and seniors as their starting lineup. We have four returning girls and the rest were 18 freshmen who were just trying to connect with each other. And then we end up tying and we were all so satisfied. From there, it kind of just our chemistry grew together. And towards the middle of the season, we obviously knew it wasn't going to get handed to us. And that's why we put in so much work for it. But... In my mind, they're really, I kind of knew that we were going to go. That was just a really great feeling to have, to know that you were the top of the top. Because we were the top in our conference. And we were on an 18-win streak when we went to Arizona. So that was just crazy. And we were destroying teams, to say the least. Like, our highest score we had, I think, was 18-0, that we beat a team. And every other game was 2-0, 4-0, like nothing lower than 2-0. 18-0. Did you play a bunch of 
old people? <laughs> no, no. It was a Juco. I think we have had three games that we have won 18-0, if I'm not mistaken. It could be two or three, but it's definitely more than one that we've beaten a team 18-0. Wow. Why not 19? You just get to 18 and we're like, okay, we're done now? <laughs> yeah, well... All the girls on the field were always like, oh, we should try to get to 20 or try to get to this, that. Because the record was 18 goals and we beat it. And actually our assistant coach, she was her class was the one that held that record. She got to break it again as a coach. Once we kind of started dominating teams like that, our coach was more like, okay, let's practice possession. Let's. So it was less attack. So we technically could have won those games by a lot more. But we focused more on possession with the ball. And basically, it was kind of like a practice, to say the least, where we just had the other bodies. We were just working on opening up and getting available. And that really helped us down the road when we versed a lot harder teams towards when nationals came up. That last week of our games was the hardest week of our schedule and that like stuff like that where we took it down on the offensive side and focused on the defensive side really ended up kind of helping us in the long run so it sounds like from the start the very start preseason games all the way throughout the season it was just a cool experience and you went through like the trials and tribulations of being a freshman on a soccer team with a bunch of other freshmen and just trying to learn each other and grow into the game Yeah, definitely. It was an experience. And a lot of us also came from teams where either we were like the star players and we were just surrounded by a lot of people who just did soccer to do it, to have a sport. And then we come here and we're grouped up with all these talented girls that it's like kind of a weight lifted off your shoulder because it's like, okay, the pressure's not all on me. So it was a little hard kind of towards the beginning and we could tell that girls were still used to the oh I have to do everything myself oh like this person's not going to go to the ball oh I have to cut between three people and then once we learned that oh no she's as equally good as me if not better we started to work together and that's how we were able to form that team chemistry sounds like you had a blast I did. I did. It was a year to remember. And I definitely would not trade this for anything else. Like, even though there was times where it was stressful, kind of got like a little bit like overwhelming. The memories that I created and those good moments were so much more and so much better to outweigh like the moments where I was like stressed because I had an assignment, but I also had practice, but I also had a game the next day. So it was definitely something so beautiful that it really does show you how sports can impact your life more than in a physical way, more emotional too. Awesome. Let's talk about this national tournament. You go to Arizona. I mean, of course, everybody wants to win the national championship. You went down there and you guys played well. We did all right for what we had. We were all kind of happy with the results. I mean, the first round we played number two team in the country and the number two seed in the national tournament. We only gave up two shots and then the sec- that was in the first half and the second half they could not get to the goal which was a really big thing 
as a team to it's just really good from going to giving up two goals in the first half and the second half they couldn't get past midfield those are factors that like someone who reads the score they're like oh they lost 2-0 but it's like you don't understand how we changed from one half to another and completely dominated although the scoreline didn't show that you know the work that we did put in the second day the second game we went against another powerhouse. They were very good, very skilled. We lost 4-0 with them, gave up two in each half, and that team ended up going to the finals. So we had them, um, kind of. but um, And then just we were working with what we had because, I mean, I didn't play in the national tournament because I got hurt. And one of our, like, biggest defenders, she was so hurt. The first game she got, she was like, done by the end and that second game she was barely hanging on we had a lot of players barely hanging on one of our strikers had to come out because she got injured purposely in the game like the girl stepped on her so she had to come out and then our other striker got a red card so we were playing down a man that second game as well we only let them have four goals so there was a lot of adversity that we faced and a lot of obstacles that we definitely came across the girls on the field really did their part for what we could while we were there. And I just feel like we know we're going to be there next year because that's what we're going to work for. Like our coach was saying, it's not a goal anymore. It's an expectation. And we definitely know now what we have to work for and what we have coming for us because this was the first time that our coach had even been to a national tournament. We're ready for next year. Definitely. Let's get some names here. What's your coach's name? Kevin Watkins is our head coach, and our assistant coach is Aaron DeSanti. All right, and what was the team that uh, you guys lost to for nothing, and then they went to the final? It had a J, and then it was a county. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's Johnston, I think, or Johnson, something like that. You're like, I don't care who it was. We just wanted to play and <laughs> play for the championship. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was, hey, we got there. We won the region here, and then we got to nationals. We can say we were in nationals, so. As a freshman, too. You're a freshman. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah, our almost our entire lineup, I think, besides two girls, also is freshmen. So that gives super high hopes because we are the same exact team next year with a few added bodies. So we definitely know that we need to go back to nationals because it's the same team. Like, we get another shot at this, basically. Well, hopefully you get there. You know I'm going to be rooting you on for sure. Thank you. But we know life isn't all soccer. What are you studying at Rock Valley? I'm studying criminal justice. Oh, what do you want to do with that? I want to be a criminal psychologist. Okay, so am I going to see you on, like, SVU or SUV? It's SVU, isn't it? Special Victims <laughs> I, I Unit. Yes. My, my plan is I want to either, like, get my associates in criminal justice and then go transfer to a four-year and either go to the FBI training camp or become a police officer and then go to the FBI training camp just to have that background and then from there work my way up the the ladder of criminal justice okay okay until you're taking over the world yeah 
a little bit of that. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I hope you, uh, I, I mean, there's no really hope. I know when you set your mind to something, it's going to happen. So I'm just going to yeah. sit back and watch for you to do it. Well, Nightsy Garcia, Mendota alum, now at Rock Valley, was just a member of a national champion soccer team. It's awesome to hear that, right? Yeah, it is. Probably never gets old. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool to say that we were regional champs and then made it to nationals. Then it was an even cooler thing that all the fall sports at RBC made it. So the whole soccer program, the guys and the girls went, and then the girls' volleyball program also went to nationals. So it was just a whole bunch of celebrating going on. Yeah, there was. There really was. There really was. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're having a fantastic first year of college. Sounds like, again, I said you sounds like you're having a blast and, you know, you're, you're racking up these memories. You won't forget these ones. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Well, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Always appreciate speaking with you. And, you know, I'm going to be paying attention. Maybe we'll do this again soon. Hopefully. I'm, I'm always up for it. Thank you for having me. We are just about the end of fall sports, postseasons, wrapping up. Almost all the sports are done except football, but those state games are Friday. Today is Tuesday, November 21st. We are two days away from Thanksgiving. I mean, I love some turkey. I love some food, so I'm excited. But I'm also excited for the state final games and all, every single sport throughout the fall postseason has been amazing. So you know we've been reaching out, getting people on the show that were in these IHSA playoffs. We got one right now. Mendota Jr., Anthony Kelson, cross-country, qualified for state for the second time in his high school career. Man, you're killing it. How did it feel this year? I'm going to be honest. At first, it wasn't quite the same. It was almost underwhelming. My first time going, it was this whole big, like, super big event you know nobody had gone to state from mendota period in years it was a super big thing this time around it felt more like i kind of knew what was going on i wasn't quite as surprised i wasn't quite as excited for a while that wasn't until i stepped on the course that's when it all hit so it's kind of like had been there done that it's just another race kind of feel almost there's definitely something significantly different about it I mean, A, it's twice the size of every other race. Just going in, seeing hundreds of buses all lined up, each and every one's like representing their own school. It, it's really quite amazing. That is fantastic. So like I said, you're a junior. You went to sectionals all three years. In the last two years, you went to state. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what place you got in state as a sophomore? I believe I was 108th. So you bettered it by almost double or actually by double because you finished 57th and you ran under 16 minutes. That's crazy, dude. (laughs) Thank you. I don't really like to brag, but I think I kind of have to with this. I mean, this season I had like two shots maximum at getting below a 16-minute race. The first one I... I ended up getting like 16.22, so I was thinking, all right, it's probably not going to happen this season unless I make it state, which even then, it it might not happen just because, you know, things are all over the place there. 
I mean, stage is kind of a victory lap. At least that's the way that I look at it. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. It's not like I'm training to get to a certain place. I, I typically don't set my goals first, like when I make it to state. It's more just go there and have fun. This time, though, I figured, you know what? This is it. If I'm going to make it into the 15 range this year, this is going to be it. It was just a whole experience. And the state's cross-country meet is in Peoria, Detweiler Park. I mean, it is actually fantastic. It is a cool park. It's a cool course. I mean, they've been <laughs> running it there for years. And every single person that runs there always talks about how awesome it is to be there. Oh, absolutely. It's a little bit hard to describe, but there's this feeling that, that you get when you go there. It's like you're part of something that's more than yourself. Each and every person there is representing the very best of what they have, the very best of what hundreds of schools have. It's kind of humbling, but at the same time, it's also kind of empowering. Just knowing that you are among these absolutely crazy individuals that somehow you of all the other people got shoved into this, but not even shoved it into it. You shoved your own way into it. It's just amazing. I mean, you're the one that signed up for the sport. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> that said, I'm not the one who coached me. I'm not my teammates that pushed me along the way. I'm not each and every other runner that's challenged me along every other race. There's really quite a lot to put into it. And I'm not the only factor. That is true. I'm, I'm I'm kind of a culmination of a lot of things going on at once. Well, maybe not quite a culmination, but the results of many things going on at once. Really couldn't have done it without all the support that I have. And I really want to credit them as well, because you can't really do anything by yourself. I mean, sure, cross-country is technically a solitary sport. You're fighting for your own place, your own time. But you're you're really being pushed by everything around you. It's a very community-driven sport. I totally agree. The uh, cliche, it takes a village. I believe you can put that with anything, anything in life. It takes a village. I totally agree. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. We just talked about, you know, you finished in the hundreds last year. This year, you're 57th. You hit the 15 mark for the first time. You do it at state. What was the training in the off season or what did you do during practices or even during the season that got you to that level? So during the off season, it was more of just a sustaining that I tried to do. I mean, I would run probably two or three times a week, usually, and just, just like a three-mile get-out-there, keep myself fresh. Mostly just save myself for the summer preseason, where we really start training. You know, everybody gets together. The team usually organizes, usually organizes itself. And then we all work together to try and find, like, times that we can all meet together, places to meet, stuff like that. And once you get there, we organize our own runs. You know, certain people will run ahead if, if they can. Certain people will focus on, you know, speed, maybe endurance work, stuff like that. It's all really based on what you kind of need. What I personally did, I mean, just, and typically I would be towards the front of the pack with, with our runners wherever we went. Usually I would just loop around to the back and then keep on working my way back up. That way I could, you know be around everybody still, still be encouraging them while they encourage me. And I could also still be pushing myself to my limits or maybe not quite limits at practice, but pushing myself to where I need to be. It's really about gauging yourself. I think. So you were kind of like double dipping in a bunch of things at practice just to make you and the team better. I guess you could say that. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to use some different language. You know what I mean? 
I guess, yeah. <laughs> oh, Thank awesome. you. So now going into your senior year, I mean, you just had, you know, milestones for your career. What do you do in this off season to kind of push it further? I'm sure you want to finish better than 57th. I'm sure you want to get better than, you know, the mark that you did get in the 15s. What are you doing to do that? So for the off season this year, I'm mostly going to be doing the same as I did last year. Run when I can, try and push myself, but still um, focus on other things going on right now. Mostly I just want to preserve myself. Don't work too hard to hurt myself, but in the end, make it so that way once the preseason does come around, I can really push it. This year, I want the team to make it to state. I think that if everybody puts as much as they can in and we really dedicate what's going on and really figure out what everybody needs, we can have a state-worthy team. A lot of our runners have really good endurance and really good speed. We just need to work on their technique and then focus on one aspect or the other, uh, speed or endurance, and get them evened out. I mean, one of our runners, Spencer Kane, he's absolutely incredible. He's really tall, really skinny, has insane endurance. We just need to work on his strength. That way, you know, he can widen out his strides and use less energy per step and then take faster steps as well. He typically runs in the 20-minute range, but I think that we could get him down into the 17s just by like getting him into a really good running technique. Don't even get me started on his enthusiasm. He is an absolute cheerleader on the team. Anybody is like slightly behind, he'll be right there pushing them along. And that's really the same with a lot of our runners. Overall, I want to work with everybody on the team. That way they can push themselves to be everything that they can be. And quite frankly, I just want them to get that state experience because it is absolutely incredible. And it would be cool for you to have people to go down there with you so you wouldn't be by yourself also. That too. But I do love the team spirit. I mean, it is cool with, you know, sports like golf and cross country and track. And, you know, there's a bunch of others bowling where Mm -hmm. it's kind of an individual sport. But there's that team aspect that means so much to everybody that's involved. It's kind of a cool dynamic when you think about it. Exactly. This year, our main senior on the team, he was effectively our team captain. His name was Dagan Sexual, was my running buddy the entire time. I mean, whenever I was pushing it, he was pushing it too. And we really bounced off each other. We really kicked it together to push each other to be the very best that, that we could be. He didn't end up making it to state, but he got really close. I couldn't help but think while I was lining up for the race, like how amazing it would be to have him right there with me. So, I mean, I bet that we could do that for a full team, but we still have time. Still have time, but you got to start working now. Exactly. Well, Anthony Kelson, Jr. from Mendota, qualified for state, finished 57th in Class 1A. You know, to a lot of people, they hear 57th and like, hey, you know, that's not that well. But like you said last year, you finished in the hundreds. There's tons of runners. It's up to like 200 runners, isn't it? Uh, 258 this year. 258 runners, and you finished 57th. Yep. That's impressive. I don't care if somebody thinks 57 is too big of a number. It's not one, two, or three. doesn't matter. 57 is awesome, man. You killed it this season. You've been doing, Thank you. You've been doing better and better and better as you go on, so I'm really interested, excited to see your senior year come around and see what you can do. Thank you. Well, my friend. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. 
probably next year I'm going to hit you up and try to get you back on. Alrighty. I look forward to hearing it. There was a signing in Mendota today. Historic? Epic? Are those good words? Great words? Yeah. Our guest today, Rihanna Brantz, Mendota senior, graduating early actually, signed to play volleyball at Sauk Valley Community College. You got to be excited about that, Rihanna. Yeah, it's exciting. They get to start their spring season. So you're going like right away. Yeah, they start their spring season in March. So you're graduating high school in December. Yep. And then you have two and a half months, three months until college? Yeah, I'll start January like the 17th or something. Oh, so college is like bam, yeah. right there. And I'm only going two days. I'm only going to be a part-time. Part-time? Yeah. What are you going to do with the other part-time of your day? Probably work. Okay, okay. Nice. Are you going to cure cancer? Yep. That's what I'm going to do on the side. <laughs> love it, love it. Obviously, four-year varsity volleyball player. I mean, it's a sport you love. Now you get to continue playing it. What does that mean to you with the opportunity to play at the next level? It means a lot because, I mean, when I first started like playing sports, I was all for basketball. For the longest time, I was like, basketball, I'm going for this. But I was always told like volleyball is such a higher level. Like there's so many girls that compete rather than basketball. There's lower numbers. So like just like then I found my love for volleyball again and fell in love with it and I actually get the opportunity to play. Awesome. You've been playing for a long time. Yeah. When did you first start playing volleyball? I started in fifth grade before even school started. I mean I did camps and stuff with the schools and just wanted to keep playing. And then you played club ball? Yep. And then did you play, did you go to Northbrook or Holy Cross? I went to Northbrook. Gotcha. And you played there? Yep. So you've been playing all along? Yes. Nice, nice. Were you always as tall as you are now? <laughs> yes, I was always tall. <laughs> How tall are you now? I'm just about six foot. Okay, okay. You look like you're like six three. Really? No, I'm just kidding. But oh. you're, you're tall, you're tall. It makes it easy to play volleyball though, right? Yeah, I mean, it has its advantages, it has its disadvantages. Yeah? Like I can't play back row. All this uncoordinated. <laughs> let's let's elaborate on that. We always hear like tall athletes. It's always awesome. You just said one disadvantage. Like what? What are some you know slights of being you know a tall athlete? Being tall, there's definitely like expectations. Like in a game, like say I mess up like a block or something, then there's the student section going off like, oh, girl, seven foot, she can't do this, she can't do that. She's tall, she should be able to. And there's definitely things like I can't do like. You'll never see me in the back row again. I understand, I understand. And you're right about that. Like, if I see a tall kid before a basketball game, before a volleyball game, I'm watching him to see if he's good or if she's good. Okay. So you're right, and I think everybody does that. Tall people definitely stand out. Like, when you see a team, you see that tall. Like, that's the first thing you see. And then you're watching them extra hard in warm-up, seeing if they're actually good or if they're just tall in there and they're not coordinated whatsoever. It's like the shiny car of sports. <laughs> and then you got to see if it runs good, right? Yeah. But for your four-year career, you've been doing awesome. Uh, you've made all-conference before? Yeah, I made all-conference this year, last year my junior year, and then honorable mention my sophomore year. Okay, so you worked your way up. Mm -hmm. So three years? Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Mendota plays in some pretty tough volleyball conferences. I know the last three years they've been in the Three Rivers, and then probably your freshman year they're yeah. still in the Big Northern. Yep. And Three Rivers, I mean, you're talking about, you know, St. Bede, Princeton's always got a good team. 
Hall's been kind of down, but they had a good yeah. team in years past. Yeah. Burrow Valley has a solid team here and there. Yeah, for sure. So to be all conference, it's pretty pretty sweet. It is, especially with like Newman, they're really good. Oh, forgot about Newman. Yeah. 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 They they had like three or four make it this year. All conference. How, how do you forget about Newman? Didn't they win a state title last year? I think so. They went pretty far. Yeah, I believe they won. I believe they won the state title. They were on my podcast actually. <laughs> this very one that you're on. So you're excited about college. What are you going to study besides the sports part? Um, I want to go for special education. Okay, I want to be a teacher. Yeah. Special education. What is it about that that uh, you know entices you? I've always wanted to since like middle school because we had PE with the special ed kids and I just always enjoy trying to help them. And like me personally, I've always like struggled with school. Like it's not like something I just go and it's like easy straight A's. Like I have to actually earn like what I get. I'm not just like, it's not naturally there like some people. So I just think I could always help them and give them like new ways and perspective. Okay. Okay. You're already thinking about this. You're like, yeah. hey, I'm ready. It's been since like fifth or sixth grade. Wow. So this isn't just now, like you've already been thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, your plans to go to Sauk for two years and then transfer? Yeah, probably like NIU or ISU. Stay in the area? Yeah. Uh, good state schools. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely. That's a popular plan around here. <laughs> yeah. With you graduating early and going to Sauk, no basketball season, no anything in the spring. Did you ever play spring sports? I played softball my freshman and junior year. Okay. Were you on the edge if you were going to play this year, or did you already know you were going to graduate early? If I wasn't going to graduate early, I was going to play softball. I planned on it. I was going to play softball and basketball, but then I obviously decided to graduate early. Okay. Was, there, was it a, a tough decision? Did you think about, like, hey, maybe I should stay to get, you know, one more basketball season in, one more softball season in, and you're like, hey, this is what I want to do? That was the thing, like... The school part, I didn't care. I was missing going to school every morning. No, it was the sports. It was definitely more basketball than volleyball or softball, just because I've played basketball for a long time. I played travel basketball. Like I, again, I was all for basketball, but then I kind of just lost the passion for it. And so, to me, there was no reason that I didn't want to play. Were you on the Warriors yeah. travel ball team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I played that since like seventh grade. I know Pat Chenault very well. Mm -hmm. so that's how I knew you were on the team. Yeah, he was my coach a lot. Too. So no more basketball. Did uh, Salk ask you to play? Because I know they're a school that if uh, they know you're a great athlete and you can play two sports, they'll ask you. Their basketball and volleyball go are too close together that I can't play both. Gotcha. And I wouldn't even want to. No? Too much? Yeah, it's too much in one year. Got to get an education. <laughs> yeah, got to be a student athlete, not an athlete student. There you go. Okay. That might be the headline of this or the title <laughs> of the podcast. I'm good. I like it. I like it. I can tell you're excited. That's amazing. I mean, in two months, you're going to be in college. I know. That's crazy. And I'm driving there twice a week. And then I'm moving there over the summer. Oh, wow. Moving out of the house? Yeah, that's scary. Has your mom already started crying? Not in front of me. Have you started crying? Not yet. Probably when I start <laughs> packing, I will. It's crazy how life happens, right? It is. It comes fast. Like, when I was, like, younger watching my brothers play, I was like, oh, yes, high school, can't wait. And now I'm, like, almost done. Yeah. Like a month. Yeah. I think less than a month, right? Yeah, less than a month because I don't have any finals. Nice. Nice. You're like, I'm already done. Basically. So you're just going to school to talk to friends? I wish. 
<laughs> Still got some work to do? Yeah, essays and some math, basically, that's it. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Rihanna Brantz, super excited for you. Graduated Mendota High School early as a senior. Like I said, it's November 21st. Two days away from Thanksgiving. That's insane. Yeah. You like Thanksgiving? Yeah, I like the food. What's your and favorite? family, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the food. It's all about the food. Just kidding. What's your favorite thing on the Thanksgiving dinner table? Baked mac and cheese. Really? (laughs) (laughs) That came from left field. I wasn't expecting that one. We talked about it at school today. So it was like, it's already been in my brain today. Okay. Okay. Because you answered that really fast. Like you knew your answer. Yeah. I've been asked it like twice at school. Nice. (laughs) Well, hopefully you have a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your baked mac and cheese. Awesome. I mean, like I said, congrats. Graduated Mendota early, going to play volleyball at Sock Valley. That's pretty cool. Thanks. So thanks for joining. You're welcome. Time commitments are tough for everybody, but especially when you're a Division I basketball player like our guest, Mendota graduate, Mendota native, Amelia Bromanchinkel, playing with Purdue, Fort Wayne University. She's a senior. Amelia, the month of November, I said this before, I hit the record button, has treated you very well. I mean, it's your senior year and you're balling out. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, of course. I know I kind of put you on the spot saying, hey, you're balling out, but I know <laughs> every senior year, whether it's high school, whether it's college, you know, your last year playing in a pro league, you know, wherever it is, you want to go out with a bang and you're definitely doing that. What is it about this year you came in and said, hey, I want to play some good ball. Well, I do actually have my COVID senior year left, so I will be coming back for a fifth year. But definitely with this being my official senior year, uh, I really just wanted to put my name out there and make sure I'm giving it my all for my last two. I always forget about the COVID because I never know when it's going to go away. So I guess there's just going to be everybody's going to be five-year players. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of older people in the league right now that I'm playing in. So Sorry I misspoke. This is your official senior year, but you got one more year left. But I mean... If I look at the college stats of what you've been able to do so far, I mean, last year you were Horizon League third team member. I feel like you're going to be in the second or first team this year. You're playing that well. What was it about this year, even knowing that you have another year, you're playing so well? Well, last year I made a jump from my the previous year, and I just kind of wanted to keep that flowing. I wanted to keep improving everything, so I worked pretty hard in the off season just to make sure that I get something above third team this year and we can hopefully take our team farther than we made it last year. Definitely. What are some exact things that you're working on? What parts of your game on the floor? With college basketball, you got to be, it's, it's a lot quicker. So you got to be ready for your shot at all times. And I feel like when you're younger, you uh, don't have the type of confidence that that takes to be ready to just fire a shot at any point and anytime you're open be ready to make the move so I think what's really changed for me has been improving my confidence and taking that to the next level and just being ready whenever my team needs me and I know I've said division one a couple times I mean anybody in high school or you know growing up as a little kid if you're an athlete always want to be a d1 athlete I mean you got that opportunity you're making the best of it but I mean 
looking at the competition you've played lately, and we'll dive into you know scores and your stats and stuff like that, but you're getting the best competition in women's college basketball. Yeah, for sure. We get the opportunity to play some big tens and power fives. It's just, it's really cool to be able to be here and play against this great competition. Even the Horizon. I mean, there's some pretty good teams in there as well. Definitely, yeah. It's a, it's a competitive league. Good stuff. What is it about this team? I mean, you guys are winning games. You are 5-2, and 1-0 and in the Horizon Conference right now. What is it about this team that is gelling together already early on in the season? Since Maria Marcusano came in, it's been a rebuild for sure. And I think that now that we're in the third year of that rebuild, I think it's finally clicking. Our offense is we're really solid in our offense, and everyone's really used to playing together. And we've brought on some new parts from transfers and freshmen, and I feel like they've really stepped up and taken their roles as well. I think we're just – I think seniority is really our power right now. We just have a lot of girls that are – older and just ready to take it to the next level. With saying that, that there's a few seniors, have you been playing with kind of the same nucleus, the same core since you've been with Purdue Fort Wayne? Yeah, for sure. Uh, me and my age group, uh, which is our main post player and our main point guard have been together for the past three years. And then we have a transfer who's also kind of our one or two uh, point guard, sometimes a two for us. Uh, she's been here for two years, and then the final starter, uh, she's been here as long as I have, so definitely been together for a while. I don't think people understand how important that is. Maybe in high school, because you know a lot of the senior-laden teams are the ones that are in state games and things of that nature, but I think it's the same thing in college. You see a lot of the one-and-done teams, especially now, the last couple years in the tournament, not doing so well as the senior-based you know, smaller schools that have been together two, three, four years playing ball, you know, they gel. They know how to play the game together. They know where the teammate is when they don't have the ball, you know, things like that. I don't think people realize how important it is to play with the same players for so many years. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think the transfer portal has been a big change that has kind of affected that. Being a smaller school, we don't have as many options with the transfer portal. We still have some for sure, but just being able to keep the same base, I think, has helped us a lot. We see that with the bigger teams, that they bring in a lot of transfers and they don't gel right away together, and it takes them a little bit to become really great. So a lot of uh, McDonald's dinners after games to get to know each other. (laughs) For sure, yeah. (laughs) Maybe not McDonald's, but you got what I was coming at. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Now, I said, you know, the month of November has been pretty crazy, and the level of competition. Let's go over some of these games I jotted down here. November 6, Michigan. You guys fell. You had 12 points, 6 rebounds. But playing a Big Ten school like Michigan, you know, whether they're a down team or a good team for University of Michigan, I mean, that had to get you guys up no matter what. Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing a big school like that, they always have solid people no matter if it's an off year for them or not. We try to just come into those games and really prove ourselves, just get our name out there, being a smaller school, and also just not being extremely well in our conference the past few years. We're trying to fix our name and show everyone who we are for sure. Definitely. Then after that, November 15th, 70-64 to overtime win against my school where I went, SIU and Carbondale. I don't know why I add the Carbondale because there's only one SIU, Edgewardsville, doesn't even exist, but 
beat SIU. I mean, I hate to hear that you beat SIU, but I'm a fan of yours, so I'm happy at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't have my best game uh, there, but a lot of the girls on the team really stepped up. That was a really good one for us. Then November 24th, 25th, 26th, you guys were in the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida. The 24th, maybe the biggest matchup of your career, Iowa, Caitlin Clark. You guys fell by 40, but you had 16 points, 6 rebounds against, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, it was such a great opportunity to be able to play Iowa. I mean, pretty much everyone in college basketball wants a chance to take them on and take on Caitlin Clark and everything. So I think it was just it was just super cool to be able to be there with a extremely packed stadium and just experience everything that that had to offer. Let's elaborate. How was it playing against Caitlin Clark? I saw a couple photos of you guys right next to each other. You guarded her. She guarded you. How was that in that moment playing against what a lot of people think is the best player in college basketball for not just this year, but probably the last three? Yeah, it was just super cool to be able to do that. She's obviously extremely talented and one of the best players in the country. So it's just super cool to see how we match up against her and and just playing her and everything, just getting pictures with her. It was really just, it was cool. (laughs) Did you let her know who Amelia Bromenschenko was? (laughs) I hope I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Then the next day and the 26th, so 25th, 26th, you get two wins, win over Delaware, you scored 27 points, four rebounds, and then the 26th, 90-77 win over Western Kentucky, you had 13 points, six boards, and for these efforts, you were named the Horizon Conference Player of the Week. That's got to be a huge accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. We really bounced back from Iowa. Uh, obviously, wasn't our best game, uh, and we had a long talk with the team and the coaches after that, and I think we really just bounced back and showed who we really are to those teams because obviously we weren't expected to do very well in that tournament. We we were the smaller name, but I think we really proved ourselves to them and the people who ran the tournament and the Horizon League itself. But I think it was just a really good opportunity for our team to show how far we've come. I give it to the administrators, your coaches, for putting you guys in a position like that. A school like Purdue-Fort Wayne, I mean, you could just play – horizon teams or you know on that level but to play the big tens to play the you know western kentuckys and things of that nature i mean that's kind of a step up but you're getting that exposure and seeing where you guys kind of match up with them i think playing those type of teams really helps us prepare for the season also because just playing much better talent and bigger people just makes the conference games seem much slower and not as like big of bodies everywhere so I think it really just helps us we can really improve our game from playing them and I think you guys showed that November 30th was the first horizon game for you against Oakland 84-66 win you had 14 points nine rebounds one board away from a double double and kind of like you just said playing the Iowa's playing the Michigan's then you go into Oakland and it's like okay we got this yeah, uh, yeah, that was a really good win for us. Oakland's always pretty tough. They play pretty, pretty physical, so definitely playing those bigger teams really helped us prepare for that. It's always good to start out 1-0 in conference. So, Got to, right? You're like, hey, we're, we're, we're making a statement here. We just played <laughs> Iowa, Michigan. I'm going to add SIU because, you know, SIU. And then, <laughs> you know, play Oakland. You're like, hey, we're going to start this conference out the way we should. Yeah, definitely. 
No doubt. I mean, how has it been for you the last, you know, four years? You got one more year left. Thank you for correcting me on that, by the way. But, yeah. you know, playing Division One ball, you know, you're away from Mendota, doing your thing. How has that transition from year to year been for you and developing your skills? I mean, when I first came here, it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot faster people, a lot better competition, more than I was used to. Even playing AU against the best there, like the best in Illinois, the best in Indiana, like taking that college step is, it's a lot bigger than most people think. But I think that over the past few years, I've really just continued to better myself. And now I'm fitting in pretty much uh so it's it's cool i mean it's a great opportunity i'm so thankful to be here i hate to put you on the spot but i'm gonna do this because you were a star player in mendota actually the star player in the illinois valley when you were with the trojans the lady trojans then you go to a college when you first got there were you the best player on the team uh definitely not no uh coming in as a I was still a high school senior. Uh, I was small. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for it, honestly. Uh, but I think it. It took me a few months, maybe a year, to really find my groove and figure out what I had to do to be better here. I ask you this because I see it a lot. Especially, I was a coach at IVCC for a couple years, and you see star players come in, and there's a player on that team that's better than them because you know they were a star in high school, go to another team. They're still expecting to be that person. Everything's on them. They got to do everything to make their team win. And then it's not like that when they go to another team or the next level. So you coming into Purdue, Fort Wayne, you noticed that you weren't the best player, that you had to step your game up. How did you adapt to that? What did you do or what did you tell yourself to you know, stay maintaining and developing, but realizing what your role was and what you needed to do on the floor? I think it's really, you just got to trust the process. The coaches believe in you 100% when you get here. They're expecting the freshmen to not really be the best right away. I mean, it's a whole different game. It's so much faster. Like, I, I cannot even explain to you how much faster it was when I got here. I was slow on defense. I was slow on offense. Um, but gradually, it starts to slow down, and you start to figure out what your role is and everything, and just... Just you just gotta keep working, getting stronger, and just improving. And then eventually, eventually you start to, it starts to slow down, and you can fit in. And then it's like playing in high school again, almost. <laughs> Everyone here was the best player on their high school team, uh, and you can see that. And it's a hard change coming from being the best to maybe not even in the top five as a freshman. You just you got to trust the coaches, play your role until until you're ready, pretty much. And then it just becomes the game of basketball. Yep. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, Amelia, Amelia Bromenschinkel, Mendota native, Mendota High School graduate, now playing with Purdue, Fort Wayne, senior this year, but she does have that one more year thanks to COVID-19. We usually don't say thank you to COVID-19 for anything, except... If you were playing in college and now you got another year. So <laughs> am I right though? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. The only thanks we'll ever give COVID-19. <laughs> well, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Again, you are already a friend. Now you're even more of a friend, Amelia. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.